This is the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast, helping you work together better with Judy Reese, X-ray listener, best-selling author, international virtual collaboration trainer, and master of metaphor. Hear more at xraylistening.com. Welcome to the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast. I'm very excited today to have David Bass with me. Now, David is very, very big in the world of internet marketing. David, why don't you say a bit about yourself, what you do, and how you collaborate? So, as you said, I've been doing this online marketing stuff for about well, almost 10 years now. My my official start in my kind of adult career was in information security. I spent uh, about 10 years doing very formal computer security work, which is interesting because you bring up the collaboration topic. And back then, I worked mostly with virtual teams. So I could be head of, of information security on a project that had anywhere from four people to 15 people on it. And just being able to, to be virtual, but still interact with people, engage, you know, ask the questions I needed to um, was just for me, it was, it was, it was a pleasure because I got to work at home, which I think is part of uh, the benefits of kind of a virtual collaboration, uh, but really showed me that it was possible for, you know, medium to large size teams to, to get major projects worked on despite not necessarily being uh, in the same physical location. And this was, you know, a very formal company. So, um, you know, back then you would almost think that you, you have to be in the office and yet even some of the, you know, five consulting companies really did a lot of work virtually versus having to have people in the office. So then, um, so that was good, you know, and that was definitely a good, I think, experience for me that helped me, you know, in the next part of my life, which is in this online marketing space. Uh, through a strange set of circumstances at that time period, I ended up having a choice between continuing my work as a computer security expert or trying this online world out. I had a, a chance to work on this project, as you mentioned, called Stompernet. Uh, some people claim it was a $18 million and 24-hour uh, time period launch. The, the reality wasn't quite as uh, exciting as that, although it was still one of the bigger launches that had been done up to that point. Um, for me, it was is interesting because I, I moved into a world that was less formal. Uh, this online marketing kind of space was just not as mature as the world I was coming from. Some of the collaboration, I would say, um, it, it, ironically, one of the, there was a big guru that we had helped us in that original launch. And one of the, the reasons that me and the partner I was working with at the time had moved from the East Coast into La Jolla, California at the time, was to actually get the help of this one big guru. And, and we knew that to get his collaboration, since that's the topic of the hour, we needed to be near him physically because he was that kind of person that that if you can goad him and, and kind of get him going, then you can get his, his effort and his assistance. And if you weren't kind of right there, it was very difficult. So that's an example, if you will, of when you almost, you know, the physical presence of collaboration in that situation was actually important in order to be able to collaborate with, with that kind of person. Um, so yeah, so that was my introduction into the online marketing world. Since that that you know, seven-figure launch, I've been a part of six other seven-figure launches, so seven seven-figure launches in total. Been did a, a countless other kind of six-figure promotions and some smaller, even five-figure promotions. And 
that led me till a couple of years ago when I started really focusing on what is called cold traffic, which means uh, internet traffic that uh, really doesn't have a relationship before they're introduced to your brand versus if someone had an email list introduced someone to the brand, that would be considered warm traffic. But this kind of cold traffic, especially focusing on, on Facebook and really uh, working with a business partner, which has been, you know, extremely valuable in order to really grow in this cold traffic space. And fortunately, one of the things that I get to do is meet with Facebook once a week and an account rep once a week. So getting to collaborate with, you know, a vendor like Facebook and really ask the right questions and, and dig deep to the point where part of my personal goal, and it's a little bit of a joke and, and a little bit not, is to try to get my to try to ask my rep a question that she can't answer. So she has to go back to one of the internal teams to get me information so that I continuously prove that, you know, I challenge her during those kind of weekly meetings. But that kind of collaboration has been invaluable in what I do now, which kind of strategies I use and approaches I take were based on the collaboration that I was fortunate enough and continuously, continue, continuously, um, and fortunate enough to, to have access to. So that's a area where collaboration has just been incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. So when you are collaborating at your best, you are like what? It's a good question. Uh, I would say that there's an expression I heard a long time ago that, that two minds can move quicker, meaning that when you have two people together that are collaborating, you can often go faster as far as kind of um, mental productivity, as far as results than you could if you were by yourself. There was a, uh, or there is a business called Word Tracker. I don't know if you've ever heard of Word Tracker. A guy named mm -hmm. Mike Bell was one of the owners of it. A uh, guy I met many, many years ago. And something that he said he had instilled in his company, which I thought was fascinating, was working pairs, meaning any project that, that was in the company had to be worked on by two people. There was no mm -hmm. people on their own. And he said the fascinating thing is where you might think that if you look at the man hours spent to, to get these projects um, done, that you would see, you know, a, more of a total so that two people together would, would, you know, waste time and therefore the total man hours would be longer than if you just had one person doing it and, you know, the amount of hours it took. And he said, to his surprise, he actually saw project time man hour wise going down so that two people together would get projects done faster than if one person took up twice the time, so to speak. So I thought that was just a fascinating, you know, anecdote about how, you know, within a business, how having people collaborate and really make sure that there's always one other person to really work off of and work with could, could actually increase productivity versus what you might think, which is decrease it based on, you know, wasted time or, you know, inefficiency. Mm. And now you work with a business partner. Uh, for me, you know, he complements a lot of the things that I'm not strong in, which, you know, there's no better relationship than working mm -hmm. with someone that, that can do and be strong in the areas that you, you're not. Uh, and that's not to say that I can't support him in a lot of the areas that he focuses on and vice versa, but truly to, you know, work with someone that um, compliments you, you know, versus just knows what you knows or, you know, something like that is just a really enjoyable kind of collaboration experience. And a lot of people will imagine like like uh, the word tracker guy that uh, two 
two people would take longer. But for you, when you're collaborating at your best, two people move quicker. I think so. Um, yeah, I just think that the brain can, can kind of uh, brainstorm, so to speak, better, uh, more efficiently, more effectively. I think uh, more ideas come out than otherwise would. I think ideas for efficiency and effectiveness probably get entered into the equation that, that working by yourself might not otherwise. So that's my guess as far as where those, those efficiencies are picked up is that, you know, there's times where one, one of the two might come up with an idea that will save enough time that if, if the, you know, either person's working on their own, they might have come up with, you know, one of the ideas, but, you know, if the other person came up with an idea that would have saved X amount of time, then all of a sudden the combined effort generates a time saving because, you know, two people together found ways to save time that on their own they wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that that's, that's what would generate it. Cause it other, than, other than purely and utterly having two people, you know, efficiently and effectively, you know, generate and produce quicker. That would be, I guess, a second area where I could see time being saved that, that until you think about it, you might not realize might be part of the equation. Mm-hmm. So as you know, my, my thing's metaphors. So I, I'm really curious about uh, this uh, notion of how ideas come out when there are two of you working together. Um, what kind of come out is that come out when more ideas come out? It's interesting because um, it's it's you're speaking about about inspiration, about epiphany, um, which is not always a logical like manifestation, so to speak. Like it's mm-hmm. not as easy to, to you know if you're purely logical, you know two plus two equals four. It's not always easy to to figure out how two plus two can actually equal five because along the line, you know there was an epiphany or some kind of you know light bulb that came off that actually you know, change the equation, um, mm-hmm. left brain kind of analytical person, you know, and I have aspects of right brain activity, but, but I, I'm more along the lines think left brain like, um, so, you know, I guess that's, that's the best way I can describe it is that, that it's funny. I don't know if, if, if do you ever, have you ever seen the old movie like Batman and Robin mm-hmm. and how there's this, these times where, where Robin, will just start, you know, chatting about something associated with their dilemma, you know, not meaning to have any kind of real direction. And all of a sudden, Batman will pick something up from, you know, what Robin said. And you're like, Robin, you're a genius. And Robin's like, what, what did I say? And he's like, you solved everything. And then, you know, what he, what he, what he like had the epiphany of off of what Robin just happened to be chatting about, you know, sol- you know saves the day and solves the problem. That's probably a good example of how there's times where, you know, even just going back and forth, someone will say something that that triggers again epiphany, you know, inspiration. Uh, some people call it, you know, the light bulb going off. You know, however you want to, you know, put a you know, definition around it. It's it allows you to to think about something differently, you know, than you would if you had just been brainstorming on your own and trying to think through, you know, the problem, the project, you know, the right process. Uh, so that ability to really you know, almost trigger off of what someone else is saying for no other reason than it happens to be related and your brain just, you know, it goes off on its own side tangent associated with what someone's saying, but that side tangent led you someplace that you wouldn't have otherwise gotten. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, I think, one way that, that you can have this come out concepts, you know, look is, is 
people are chatting and all of a sudden someone's like, oh my God, I need to think about, you know, that. And the person's like, what? You know, doesn't even realize that they were the inspiration behind that idea. Um, so that's definitely happened both, you know, to me and the person I work with is really, you know, him saying something that also I'm like, dude, you, you don't know how smart you are. Him saying, dude, you're such a genius, you know, like, I'm like, really, what, what did I even say that made that, that help? Um, so yeah, so I think that's probably one major way. And then I think in general, people having sounding boards, people, you know, being able to get someone else's feedback and, and based on that feedback, have different thoughts come into their head than they would have otherwise without that feedback. That's another way it probably ends up showing up when it comes mm -hmm. to, you know, ideas coming out that wouldn't otherwise have happened if you had tried to work work out the problem, work through the situation, work on whatever it is that you're working on that you wouldn't otherwise be collaborating on, you know, those kind of things probably happen that that can benefit a situation, you know, even more so than just kind of doubling the efficiency with just two people. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested by that moment, that Robin, you're a genius <laughs> triggering moment. And while I'm not expecting you to already know the answer to this, I, I, I'm... I'm very interested. Is there anything else about that trigger, that moment of Robin, you're a genius? Hmm. Um, I mean, how do you, how does someone, how does someone describe epiphany? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult concept to, to put words around sometimes. The idea of, of in one moment of time, not having, an idea in your head and another moment in time having that idea. Now it's different than figuring out a math problem, right? Math mm -hmm. problem, you know, if you have to figure out, you know, some kind of algebra with, you know, two plus two times this times that, you work your way through the problem. And as you hit each stage, the, the logical kind of thoughts that come up are very linear, linear. They're very analytical, right? Like, you know, if you understand multiplication, division, addition, it's just a matter of going through the motions and, and understanding you know, what those motions are to really to get to the next point mm -hmm. with epiphany, right? You're dealing with somehow, you know, the lack of, of idea, lack of, of, of option of, I guess, ideas, but the right way of saying it. And then all of a sudden, you know, based on something, you know, a creative idea, something different than would have otherwise come up, shows up on someone's head, right? Now for a left brain person like myself, epiphanies are more in, in execution type areas, right? Like I look more for patterns and if there's, you know, patterns I've, I've been involved in in the past and I'm, I'm looking at something that looks like it's developing in a similar almost pattern, I can try to identify things, you know, and have epiphanies of ways to either make things better or, or prevent, you know, any kind of problems from happening, from happening. But that type of epiphany is more analytical, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, something that pops up based on just recognizing, you know, the patterns of the past. More right brain people have, have more creative epiphanies and it's, it's hard for a left brain person to, to sometimes understand, you know, often create, like I can fight to get creativity, but it's, mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a battle, right? Like I have to actually like almost struggle to try to be creative and try to think in creative ways because that's just not how I naturally think. So creative inspiration for me is, is few and far between and forced. Mm -hmm. Typically, I normally have to put myself in that situation. Other people, I think, especially creative people, like the business partner that I typically work with, um, those people just get 
epiphanies out of just sometimes what, what feels like random things. Again, mm. the Robin concept, right? You're just literally chatting about something associated with the situation, but having no intention of, of helping create an idea associated, you know, within that mm -hmm. text. And all of a sudden the creative person somehow, you know, it's almost like this, this muse concept where, you know, inspiration comes out of, you know, in, in the old days of painters, it was, it was beauty, you know, potentially in the more modern day, it's, it's out of discussion and, and, you know, for lack of a better word and collaboration. So um, you're more likely to be in the Robin role there rather than the Batman role. Uh, I am, I am a, I'm a great Robin and, and play Batman e either in, in the very, in the areas that are really my, my focus and specialty and, mm -hmm. and above me on that when I really have to, <laughs> that makes sense. So, yeah. And, and the stuff that where you are, the Batman is, is, uh, looking for patterns. Um, that's one of the areas that, mm. that allows me to do the stuff I do. So like in the current work we, that, that I work on, I focus more with Facebook traffic. I focus much more on the, the traffic side, meaning actually going into Facebook, setting up the media buys, knowing, knowing how to configure, you know, the different bidding strategies, you know, knowing how to approach the different audience, audience creation, how to, how to budget based on audience sizes, you know, how to recognize when different configurations might actually get you better cost or better results. Um, that's, that's, that's my passion when it comes to this stuff is literally looking at the data, looking at the results, figuring out where I can modify things in order to try to improve results or at least test to see if this modification, or that modification might, might cause some kind of impact to the overall results and hopefully for the better, but if it's for the worse, you know, quickly identifying it, modifying it, that kind of stuff is to me fun. Mm -hmm. I, I when you're identifying it, mm -hmm. does does that sort of when you're looking at the data and you're identify a place where you could modify it, does that count as an epiphany or not? It's interesting because I what, I what I call a lot of this this Facebook traffic stuff. It's both an art and a science, mm -hmm. right? There, there's definitely a science to it. There's there's understanding some basics. There's also and where the R comes in is understanding enough of the foundation that that based on your experience, your perspective, and what you're seeing, you you'll make your decisions as far as you know when to change things, when to let things kind of play out, you know how to start things, what to test, how to test. Um, so for me, that 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 those are you know technical epiphanies. So the other week, <clears throat> I had two separate campaigns where I was doing things a certain way. And I, and I literally just thought to myself, I wonder if doing something different, you know, based on kind of what I know and what I've done before and what I've seen before might, might have an impact, changed it on one of the campaigns within the situation, uh, had dramatic impact, you know, changed in the other two, those had dramatic impact. And then on another client situation made the same similar change and they had a dramatic impact to the point where the, the cost per kind of action in one situation went below half of what it was and one went to about 60% of what it was, but, but literally with, with pretty much a change, like a, like one kind of change had that kind of dramatic impact on my costs and that, you know, deciding to, to try that. Now that I've done changes like that before that have not had that kind of dramatic impact. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not like every time I, I, I think of any idea to change that I'm going to see this dramatic type thing, but, the idea to try that at that time 
was not necessarily part of my standard, if you want to call it process for buying mm-hmm. advertising. Like normally I would not have made that change kind of at that stage and, and kind of where things were at. So those, those are, I think, what a left brain epiphany looks like is, is recognizing when to adjust kind of the, the typical standard analytical you know, process in a way that they, that, that is different than they, they normally would kind of go, you know, the path they normally would go down. They decide to just kind of step around something or do something differently. And that's, that's, I think, how you'll see left brain people show signs of, of creativity, but it's not going to be, you know, a, a great story with characters and, you know, and, and all kinds of adventures that, that come out of, you know, kind of your, your fantasy part of your brain. It's going to be much more directed towards, I think, concrete reality and, and ideas associated with, you know, execution and, and what's, what's happening more in the moment versus mm-hmm. kind of, you know, pure fiction, so to speak. Mm. So it's just sort of stepping around the way you'd usually do it. That's that's my at least uh, my initial take on it based on this conversation. Mm. And of course, it doesn't always have a dramatic effect. So you you won't know until after you've tried it what sure. the effect is going to be. Just like just like uh, was it was it Edison that tried a bunch of different filaments. Uh, Franklin, who, who did the, uh, you know, one of the, Franklin or Edison? Edison, I think, the Edison, yeah. thousand ways not to build a light bulb kind of thing. Exactly. Thank you for, for thank, uh, verifying my first instinct. See, people say your first instinct's what you should go with. I should. <laughs> but that, that kind of concept, you know, where you know, there, there's times where you try stuff, but the, the key is where, where the options are coming from, I think, in your head. <clears throat> you know, in you know, knowing which options to try you know, when to at least, you know, try something differently. Uh, those are the kind of things that, you know, at least left brain people that, that have moments of inspiration and epiphanies. I think there's left brain people that, that are always very analytical and process oriented and, and don't kind of think outside the box. And that's fine. It's just that's a very kind of hardcore left brain. I think someone like me is left brain with, with uh, aspects of right brain, or at least I get to try to pull from my right brain when I need to. And that's probably where some of that stuff comes from. But, um, but yeah, so to me, that's, that's, that's where I enjoy having epiphanies. That's where I enjoy, I think, trying to, to figure out when to, you know, go off the beaten path because there's a chance that, that you'll, you know, you find a shortcut, so to speak, versus going down the traditional path. Mm-hmm. So you're having those kind of shortcut epiphanies, left brain epiphanies in this collaboration and meanwhile your batman is going robbing your genius yeah with creative stuff that that i just would never in a million years have thought of but apparently if i hadn't said something or you know suggested something or whatever you know that person wouldn't have have come up with that idea either which is where Mm -hmm. that collaboration can really benefit an overall situation more so than just having two people work separately, mm-hmm. you know. And that kind of pattern of an analytical left brain uh, finding shortcuts and a more creative Batman character going, Robin, you're a genius. Given that you've worked on seven seven-figure launches and lots of other projects which had a collaborative element, is that combination of the left brain analytical and the right brain more creative leap kind of epiphany is is that a pattern that you've noticed 
in other situations? Yes, to even the degree where I think situations that have not worked out that I've seen have often been because you either have two, because you have two of each, you have two of the same one versus, you know, be that four people and you have two people that are more one way or two people another way, whatever it is, you don't have enough balance, mm -hmm. both those sides, so the right brain person to keep it fresh, to keep it moving forward, to to create kind of that 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 creative side that allows you to to engage people and then the left brain side to a kind of hold it down to reality make sure that execution is is thought about within the creative you know brainstorming because i think creatives sometimes don't always think through execution and therefore great idea but you know trying to put into reality 10 times harder than you might have thought so you know maybe we need to curb some of that creativity a little bit sometimes um but I think that's that balance can really help form a stability that can both move things forward based on kind of creativity, but do it in a way that actually can get done and, and show itself in reality so that in the end you actually have a real result, not just, you know, ideas that don't ever come to fruition. Mm -hmm. So that balance is part of what's important when it comes to two people moving forward more quickly than one. I, that is my uh, conjecture. That's the way of saying mm -hmm. it. That's 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 conjecture. I would make. No, I'm not saying that two right brain people can't collaborate. I just know that when I think you have that balance, you you create a environment where you can have more kind of those those Batman Robin epiphanies, uh, and you can ensure that both sides almost have that that tempering aspect that the other side you know, offers with, with its perspective. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Does that sound reasonable? Mm -hmm. It does. And so I suppose, is there a way to know ahead of time whether you've got that balance? Uh, how can you, how can you test for, for, um, it's not collaboration, but for congruence or for, you know, two people's ability to actually, you know, work more efficiently than less efficiently. It's a good question. You know, what would it actually take to do some kind of initial experience? You know, how do you how do you date before you you know you know get married? When it comes to you know setting up two people to collaborate or four people to collaborate, I don't know. I don't know if that's just trying to come up with some kind of um, initial project or initial like kind of uh, collaboration, if you will, to see how it works, and then you know based on kind of how that feels and and what comes out of it you decide if you you know move forward with with the bigger kind of collaboration that you had in mind um, it feels like that might be the only one of the only ways doing it some kind some kind of test collaboration and you know and I don't know if you could figure out some kind of you know specific task or, or project that, that would allow people to quickly figure out if they collaborate well together probably a good psychiatry or you know or psychologist you know person that looks for experiments to you know see what happens would figure something like that out but that... i i fear i'm having one of my robin you're a genius moments because <laughs> see i'm good at that i'm not kidding um, what i notice is that of course the process that i use with with groups collaboration dynamics would would in fact help to tease out um the, exactly this kind of balance and imbalance within a group um and i'd never really thought of it like that before 
I make a good Robin sometimes. <laughs> Say. <laughs> yes, it, it, it is fascinating because I think, I think if you could identify that quicker, you know, especially if you had some kind of process, you could A, nip in the bud potential problems because there are people that end up being more uh, oil and water, you know, and mm-hmm. they kind of butt heads and, and we would like to avoid is putting those two people in a, you know, especially one-on-one collaborative environment because that will not, I don't think, produce what you want, which is a nice, efficient, effective, happy kind of situation. It's going to, it's going to cause drama that, you know, I don't know about you, but, but I hate kind of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think having some kind of process like that where you could tease out, as you put it, the, um, the right people to kind of collaborate with each other and, and do it in a way that's, that's comfortable and natural versus, you know, having to force it could be really, I think, powerful for businesses. And so now, now, now I'm doing my creative thing and I'm wondering how to make it happen, but that's not the topic of this uh, podcast. So um, we're, we're sort of coming to the end of our time. Is there any, anything else that you think would you'd like to say around collaboration and how this, this process of collaboration, particularly with one other person, has worked for you in the past? I can say that I, for the, for the brief time that I was working completely on my own, after I kind of separated from one partner and then started working with someone else on a regular basis, that it was not, I don't know if the right, you know, if it's too simplistic to say happy, but I was definitely not as happy and I don't think as efficient or as effective. Um, for me, it felt almost like I was in, you know, a sludge and it was much harder to move forward. And that's because I've always had, especially, you know, in the, in the old days when I was doing computer security, I worked with groups that were very supportive of each other. Uh, I became an expert in computer security where my background was psychology because of, of people that had mentored me, taught me, you know, really moved me forward. So I was in that environment collaboration was not only what what made me you know a, a true kind of expert in in computer security and information security um, it also provided a much more supportive and enjoyable environment I mean I never worked in a group you know before up until then or or since that time period where people were almost as happy especially people that worked their asses off people are working anywhere from sometimes 10 12 14 hour days uh, but still, like, willing to help each other, like, very loyal to, like, the, the group. And I think it was because of, and, and within that world of kind of Big Five Consulting, there was definitely numerous other groups that didn't have that kind of experience. And there's reasons for that. I think a lot of that was leadership-based because the, the head of that group, the partner, really was, was one of the most amazing kind of uh, just pleasant, you know, people that just attracted loyalty and that I think permutated throughout the rest of his group. But, but that kind of environment just felt great. Um, and then I think it's, you know, it's the same kind of feeling even with one-on-one type collaboration that when you find, you know, a situation, you know, especially a person that you collaborate well with the, the actual, like, even if you got the same amount of work done, right. So even if, if you did not get a benefit in, in man hour, Kind of efficiency, even if it was, let's say, equal. Even if you lost a little bit, uh, the the pleasantness of of having someone else to use as a sounding board, you know, to be able to to double check. Like, there's times where people, you know, myself included, you know, like think 
we know the right direction to go in, think we know the right answer, right? Think we know the right conclusion, but it's just nice to hear someone else, you know, verify that, that, that they think your logic makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's not you just having to, on your own, like self verify that what you're saying, you know, do your self sanity check, so to speak. It's really hard to do a self sanity check. So the point of a sanity check is, you know, while I was thinking that <laughs> doing that, you know, was I insane or not? Um, but those kind of sanity checks, I think can really, it's the same reason that, that there's times where, you know, I'll be hired and, and part of what I'll do, you know, it, to some degree is just tell people what they already know, but to have someone that's been through somewhat something, you know, 15 times, 20 times, you know, already, you know, had that experience to say that, that you're on the right track, that this does make the, make the most sense, you know, maybe provide little course corrections or little, you know, ideas they might not have thought of because they haven't been through it 10 times, you know, but having that person to, to lean on to just to verify, there was a woman that, that hired me over and over again, even though she was doing the same thing over and over again, right? And, and most of what I did as kind of that type of consultant was really help give people ideas, you know, course corrections. But once you've done something five times, that's almost the exact same. You don't really need that as much, but mm -hmm. just being there in order to, for this person to say, I'm thinking about doing this, does that make sense? And not, you know, one out of 20 times, you know, it didn't make sense. And, and I maybe needed a major course correction 19 out of 20 times. This person had it spot on, you know, and, and didn't technically need me, right? Could, could have thought of that on their own, could have executed that on their own, you know, all of it. But, but this person that called me their secure, literally called me their security blanket reason they kept hiring me and said, dude, I just want to have my security blanket during this next launch was because having that, that person to collaborate, bounce ideas off of, even if you know, for the most part, you know, what you should be doing or the right path or the right decisions, having that second person, if you trust them, right, mm -hmm. trust their, what, you know, if, if they're just a, a yes man, that's different. Like that's silly, you know, that's just ego kind of, uh, you know, building or that's ego feeding, you know, just having someone mm. agree with everything that you say, but having someone that you actually trust has enough ability to think through what you're saying and say, yes, that makes sense. Or wait, have you thought of, or did you think like that having that feedback loop, I think a, you know, again, even if it didn't make it more efficient, I think is going to make a person happier and, and enjoy their life more because having someone else verify something, I think is, is less stressful than having to, you know, completely make decisions and, and, you know, especially executive decisions on your own without anyone else to at least give you that sanity check. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's bring this to a close. If people would like to contact you about, uh, to hire you as a security blanket or anything else, <laughs> what's the best way that they should contact you? Uh, my email address is uh, dave at reachglobalmedia.com. That's dave at reachglobalmedia.com. Uh, truly these days, my focus is, is the paid advertising and the Facebook paid ad side. Um, so it, it, if someone has something very, very interesting on the, you know, the, the, the launch side, you know, I might entertain it. But for the most part, really what I've been enjoying and focusing my time and energy on really has been the, the paid ads. I, to, and I'll throw this out there as one last little tidbit. In my mind, if you want, especially an online business, you know, to be a, an actual sustainable business without being able to do paid advertising, you're in an extreme uphill battle trying to do it just with affiliate marketing or email marketing or word of mouth. It's just, it's not stable and, and it's very often not sustainable. Um, so for me, the paid ad side really was, you know, an area that I wanted to, to 
to master because that to me is what allows a business to really be sustainable and grow in you know, levels that otherwise are impossible. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that's mostly been my focus. And if anyone's interested in, in uh, contacting me about that area, then I would love to hear from them. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Blimey, wasn't that interesting? I'm particularly excited by the fact that right there and then, in the moment, David was doing his Robin thing. I'm, I'm self-identifying as the, the creative, the more right-brained, the Batman char character in the story. And as he was talking about the stuff that he was talking about, my mind was absolutely racing. Um, Robin, you're a genius, really says only the half of it. Now, isn't that interesting? So, David has figured out that in an instance of collaboration, often he is the, the foil for the more right-brained, the more creative types. Now, whatever we think about defining people as right-brained or left-brained, there's clearly something in the fact that he has found a role for himself in successful collaboration after successful collaboration. It works for him and he sticks with that pattern and um, continues to make it work. And of course, the idea itself, oh, look, my, my collaboration dynamic stuff could be great at this point in a collaboration, just as you're working out who you would like to work with. Um, obviously, that's full of excitement for me. But for you, when you are collaborating at your best, that's like what? Your answer to that question could be very, very revealing and profoundly affect how you generate value when you're working with other people. <laughs> 